Welcome, 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 podcast listeners. You are here. Is your host, Mr. Budget Pedal Chap. You are also joined by Mr. Matt Quine. Say hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. We're here. I'm getting proper radio voice on that. I'm getting really deep into that microphone and getting that <laughs> super silky bass. Oh, yeah. You're oh. taking us through the night shift, are you? I am. I f- to be fair, I do feel it because it is... I, I don't know if we've mentioned this on the cast like recently, but it's so fucking warm. <laughs> so, so, so warm. Yeah, we've just had the... Today is the hottest temperature on the Isle of Man in the last three years, I think. Because bearing in mind, we've had at least two heat waves in that time. Tells you something. Yeah, I mean, I, I won't go into graphic detail, but I did uh, mention just before the cast where sweat is going... <laughs> <laughs> and, and sweat should not be going there. Uh, and this this is all for you, uh, podcast. Not the sweat thing. That that's purely because I'm fatter than I should be. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's it is pretty fucking warm. Um, however, the fact that we do not have fans blaring on us is because we wanted to keep audio fidelity, and that yeah. is specifically for you, listener. Absolutely. Uh, so I mean. Not that you ever say that we don't do anything for you, but just just know that the the, the little reservoir of sweat that is pooling at the, in my gooch at the moment, <laughs> that is for you. <laughs> Fuck, man. <laughs> what a yeah. start to a podcast. <laughs> yeah, and I also probably should point out that I do have two bedroom windows open um, from where I record. You might get a little bit of background noise, but um, it was that or sitting 32 and a half degrees heat with the sun blaring on me um, and I chose not to do that without some form of breeze I mean I, I have got the option of opening the window which I have I have declined because uh, the the main road is literally there so I, I don't <laughs> want to risk it like last week we had um, some some form of boy racer um, like bombing it down the street and you could hear it through my microphone with the window closed <laughs> so I just I didn't want to yeah, you don't want to risk that. Yeah, and at the moment I'm trying to spell reservoir uh, as well because I feel that <laughs> reservoir of gooch sweat does sound like a podcast title. I think it probably does. But I'm going to have to check the spelling. Reservoir is a, is a difficult word. Oh, dear. Oh, so fucking hot. Yeah, yeah it, it is It is hot. It is hot. Um, and, and other countries... Um, I think, especially uh, over the uh, over the Atlantic, uh, our, our friends over there don't really understand how Britain gets so um, just so bent out of shape by by hot weather. Uh, air conditioning really isn't a thing over here because for about I'd, I'd say fifty of the fifty-two weeks a year, um, yeah. it is like tepid is is considered a luxury yeah yeah we just like there's there's no point in having air conditioning built into buildings when it gets used if you're lucky four weeks in a year but the following year you won't use it at all and yeah so we're not we don't we don't bother with it but it does mean that unless you in an office building or a shop and you're lucky enough that that office building or shop has air conditioning you don't see any air conditioning ever no, yes. Yeah, I mean, like my little family went uh, went to three shops today. I don't think we needed to, but we we just wanted to fill the air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And 
Yeah, we uh, we ended up buying buying shed loads of chocolate from one of them and realizing that they either needed to be eaten or shoved into the fridge because it's no yeah. good to anyone uh, <laughs> after about an hour in this heat. Yeah, no, that uh, is ridiculous. But at least, yeah, it's it's not for much longer. You'll be getting raining again by, I believe, Saturday. So. Yeah, yeah, possibly. So then we're going to get that horrible, sticky. Yeah. Just completely claggy environment. <laughs> I, I hesitate to say the word moist, um, but I'm going to say it. Oh, but people love when you say moist on the internet. Oh, especially when you get real close into the microphone and, and almost whisper the word moist. Moist. <laughs> moist. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that it's, it's for everyone, but someone... Someone out there will be getting absolute thrills from that moment. <laughs> you know what? You carry on. Yeah. As long as I don't have to watch what you're doing to it, then we're all good. <laughs> uh, so I feel, I feel that's enough um, Enough of our disgusting preamble. Um, <laughs> we should probably uh, talk about what we've done, done most yeah. recently. Matt, would you like yeah. to kick us off? Yeah, so I mean, I don't think actually I've picked up the guitar since three days after the last cast because I think the last cast was when I dislocated my thumb, wasn't it? And I never mentioned it on the podcast because I was worried that I wasn't going to be able to gig that weekend. Yes. Um, so the gig was both gigs were painful. Um, it was very the the surprisingly the worst thing was bar chords. Because yes, yeah. obviously you've got the support behind. Like I was expecting, like bends and stuff to worry about, but actually, I found that I'm fairly okay with just not using my thumb at all in that. But like either over the top bar chords where you use your thumb as a root note, or even full bar chords, your thumb's just supporting or being used. And yeah, I found that fairly difficult, but managed to do it. Did it with a really reduced board, which I can't remember whether it was mentioned on the podcast I was going to do or not. I put a tuner on in the end. I was talking about going tunerless, but yeah, it was fuzz, two drives uh, with a tuner in front and then reverb in my simplifier. And I am um, actually, it went really well. Um, I, I, there was a couple of songs where I missed the chorus. There was a couple of songs where we decided not to do them because I didn't have my Mel 9. Um, but other than that, across the two nights with the two different bands, it worked almost flawlessly, which I'm happy enough with. On this, on that size of stage, I think I'll always, because it's such a small stage, they just built it wrong. Um, I think I'll always just go for a reduced board. Um, but I, yeah, I, I definitely, I think I, I do need the amount of pedals that I have, but you can deal without yeah. if the situation requires it. Yeah, absolutely. Um... I think, like we've mentioned it before on the cast, but nine times out of the ten, like the audience wouldn't matter if you were running through <laughs> through a cheap amp from twenty years ago. Yeah. Uh, so, so actually, the majority of the time, it's just to appease your own ear, because we we tend to be quite finicky bastards. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh. So. Was it the the first kind of real stint that you had with a simplifier only? I think I'd done one gig simplifier only back in February time. Um, but yeah, it's like certainly the first time that I've done it back to back and like it's it's the most recent time where I've kind of cranked it up and listened to it. And actually, it sounded great. Um, I hate sharing a monitor with a bass player because 
I can't hear myself properly. Um, bass players want to be able to hear their bass, and I just <laughs> I think they've already ruined all of their low end, so they yeah. don't realise that they can hear it, and then they just ask for more bass in the monitors, and it's just so loud, and it's so annoying. But yeah, I think the t- the times where the bassists weren't playing like driven rocky lines, um, I could hear enough in the fold back everything was great and that was kind of right the, the only time I kind of struggled is when they were playing like the, some of the rockier riffs yeah. um, and so, some of like the heavier bass lines where they're, they're digging in deep with the plectrum and kind of really filling out that sound because the other guitarists playing keyboards and it's like I'm supposed to be filling one section and they're kind of got to come in towards our section of the tone the tonescape kind of thing yeah, um, yeah, yeah. that was the only time where there was a bit of an issue but yeah for the most part certainly all the lead stuff I could hear myself perfectly um, it handles fuzz better than I thought it would I thought that might be the issue where it struggled but I was running the 37 effects fat guy little coat and yeah, yeah boy. sounded great um, and obviously I ran the honey burst and the messiah and that just yeah sound incredible um, I, I tended uh, I think there's maybe three songs that I do that I did properly clean I tended to run with um, my kind of bass sound as the light side of the the Messiah and go from there and just shape that rather than having a proper clean tone and yeah it worked great I had the the new neighbour on a spring setting really kind of low down in the mix just to kind of give it a little bit but nothing much apart from a couple of songs where I needed other settings but yeah for 98% of it it was like that and it it sounded like an amp it didn't sound like what you normally get which is a recorded like the I'm sorry I won't say what you normally get old modelling units or floor amps or like even if you go back three or four years sounded like a recorded guitar tone as opposed to an amp if you know what I mean yeah you you get a really kind of a really present and it's very immediate sound um and that was that's always been the um the complaint with with modeling units and with the the older ones it was that that real immediate sound and then none of your guitar controls really changed that yeah so and i think yeah like certainly i think running the messiah in front would have helped anyway but it it's, it sounded to me like there was a mic in front of an amp somewhere and it just wasn't it wasn't right behind me um i got a couple of good compliments the the other guitarist in uh, the first band that i was in really liked the sound there was a couple of guys that i knew that came down that were asking where my amp was which is always a good sign <laughs> like, back home mate <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah, no, all good. Um, yeah, really impressed with the simplifier again. Um, yeah, happy. To, I'd be happy to run that if in an emergency, if my amp went at any gig. But um, I definitely prefer just having an amp there. It just feels right. Yeah. Even if even if the sound quality is probably no better or marginally better, yeah. um, it it just feels like right running an amp when you can. So, so the the my understanding of the simplifier is that it's it's got a few different amp models uh, built in. Yeah, so you've got three different cabs. You've got a one twelve, a two twelve, a four twelve. Uh-huh. You've got three different uh, power valves, quote unquote power valves. Yeah. So you've got six L six, CL eighty six instead of eighty four, and 
I can't remember what the other one is, but basically Fox Fender Marshall. Yeah. Um, and then it's got um, MS Brit. It's got um, okay. American and I can't remember what it calls the Vox preamp, but you know the VX Brit or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But basic, basically, yeah, you've got Vox Fender Marshall on preamp and power amp sections. Um, I, despite normally running a Vox, was using the Marshalls, uh, the two Marshall settings through a two twelve cab. Um, that's what sounded best to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Legit. Yeah, because the the Vox sound is known to be quite a finicky and quite picky, uh, picky tone, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it was just easier for me to set up the Marshall to sound good. I'm sure I could get the Vox sound to sound good if I spent two hours on it. <laughs> just tweak because obviously there's bass, middle, treble, presence, and resonance, and then mic position on the cab. Okay. Yeah. All, all is all is tweakable bits. And I think if you got the settings right, you'd get a great Vox tone out of it. But I think you'd have to sit down and yeah. tweak each individual bit. And then every time you change the next setting, you'd have to go back and tweak a little bit more. And yeah, cause... With the Marshall, Marshall sounds good most of the time. It's hard to make a Marshall sound bad. Whereas with a Vox, once you start playing with the, the treble scape, the, um, the tone cut and stuff, yeah. and pu- pushing and pulling the preamp and power amp sections, you can really start to make weird sounds that don't cope well with drives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got that really specific upper mid range, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um... The, the, yeah, the Vox Vox tone is a is a strange beast, um, but I, I'm I'm glad to hear that the the uh, the simplifier is 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 doing its job essentially. Um, yeah, and it's always nice to have that reassurance that you've got a backup. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, the the second night, the the night with the newer band, um, Lork and the other guitarist was using the Origin Twenty, and every time he uses it, I sometimes think why didn't i just use that rather than buying a new amp (laughs) (laughs) it just sounds great but yeah yeah fair play fair play uh, the fact that he's uh he's loving it as well though that's that's pretty decent um yeah i've got a fair fair amount that i've done this week Uh oh yeah i've just noticed this time we're kind of we're we're about 15 minutes but while we were talking i'd completely forgotten uh, I've done something pretty massive this week. Um, Go on. So, I've I've obviously done the the kind of standard video stuff and and whatnot. But um, la- like last weekend, uh, me and Yeomans went to a guitar shop. Did what now? We 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 went to Guitar Guitar in Birmingham. And was it was it open? It was. Yeah. Like no appointment or anything. It was just kind of rock up. Like you had to wear a mask going around, but aside from like that little little detail and the fact that like pulling the guitars off the wall was a bit more of a because uh, like whenever you go into a guitar shop, you or you always ask if you can take the guitar down rather than just assuming. But it was it it was that extra level of making sure they know which like which exact one that you've taken so that they can uh, yeah wipe it give, down yeah give it the wipe down. Um, and all the guitars that we've played, which I felt anyway, the 
I, I think that the 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 um the cleaning that they do on it dries out the strings a little bit so they felt a bit yeah uh, just just a bit like a bit more friction than you'd be used to um but aside from that it was like it was good it was a good experience it it filled me with massive hope that we are getting through this so that was that was a big thing um we the first thing we tried there was an epiphone uh epiphone dart or like a 335 style uh epiphone with the new kalamazoo headstocks so that was that was yeah. nice um they sounded really good <laughs> they sounded really good like yeoman's is, is, is got it in his head that he wants a a, a semi hollow um i've already got the the midtone so I, I played along with it. I, I gave it a go, uh, but it was mainly for Yeomans. Uh, and it, like, it really impressed me, actually. When, um, like, five years ago, ten years ago, or whatever, when the when the uh, Epiphones would be, like, the, the that kind of three, four hundred pound mark, they'd have those, like, the, the, the Alnico buckers rather than the ceramic ones. Um, and they were they were supposed to be modelled on um, Gibson pickups, but they were always really dark and muddy sounding and just a bit shit. Yeah. Um, the like the more recent ones that we played were like they had like the five, six, seven hundred pound mark, which were like the the Pro series. I think we played um, like a Les Paul Florentine style. Um, like pro model a couple of years back um and that had the 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 epiphone pro buckers i think they're called which are yeah. their take on the the gibson pickup and they were they were quite nice but again you're talking like that that guitar was about 600 quid um so this was just kind of your bog standard epiphone does epiphone um and the pickup sounded really good um, especially the neck pickup sounded really rich and really um, really loud actually um, the bridge pickup was slightly underpowered compared to it okay. so like a bit of tweaking maybe with the the height the height um, or, or even just putting something with a little bit more poke in the bridge but for a I think it was about three 390 was the the asking price for it and my okay. god it was it was well worth it um but we we didn't leave with uh with an epiphone what did we, we leave with something then <laughs> no, no, well well it was very very close i can tell you that um on the wall around the corner from the epiphones was the kind of the exotic um kind of japanese brand so you had like ibanez and esp um, and I think PRS were, were in with that actually, but there was also uh, Schecter, and within, like nestled within all of these kind of metal demon guitars, was a pink SSS Stratocaster. <laughs> it was an it was another Nick Johnston, <laughs> and I thought, gotta gotta try that, haven't I? Because I tried the Seafoam one again probably about two or three years ago and yeah. I found it very difficult to leave that store with it and that guitar. 
the the uh, the the pink one. Just as good. Absolutely, just as good. Uh, yeah. To a point where, like, as we were leaving, Yeoman said, oh, "I should have bought that, shouldn't I?" <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you probably should have, mate. Um, so I, I think it's it's not too long before one of us or both of us end up with a, a Nick Johnston. Nick Johnston. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I think if my amp, if my box hadn't died and I had to buy a, a 212 replacement and I'm now moving house, so the Strat's been pushed back even though I want a Strat. But I think that's probably what I've settled on buying once I can afford a Strat. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, oh, I can't say any bad things about it, to be honest. Um, the the neck profile is is very reminiscent of Sir, um, of the yeah. I think the their modern modern classic or whatever it is. I, I don't know the Sir models because they're too expensive for me to care. So one of them is called the modern and one of them is called the classic. So uh, what you've you done is you've crammed two different types of guitar together there. Conflated them. Yeah, like the modern, <laughs> I think, uh, was the one that I tried. And the, the Nick Johnston was very similar. I, yeah. I did like the Sir more, but I didn't like it an extra two grand more. Yeah. So, I mean, there is that. Uh, but yeah, the 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 neck, like, really, really comfortable I think the the frets are stainless steel and it did it did glide quite well, um, and the pickups were like for a stock because I think it's it's either Indonesian or Korean made, um, and from those I think it's Korean. Yeah, I mean it wouldn't surprise me. It it is of that quality, um, but you can't like with the PRS SEs they're Korean, pretty much across the board, and the pickups in them. Are the oh, thing that let them do. Yeah, sometimes awful. Yeah. Both of us will talk about soap bar twos or soap bars. We will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, the guitar that made me think oh, I am not a fan of P90s, and then actually no, I'm just not a fan of cheap <laughs> uh, PRS SE <laughs> P90s. I mean, which is nice to know, I guess. Um, but yeah, the the Nick Johnston, um, it, it pretty much wowed me across the board. Um, the tone control as well the tone control because it's a, a volume and a tone it worked it worked across uh, across everything and on the bridge pickup uh, just kind of winding it off just a touch like some of those some of those kind of soft Clapton tones yeah just mwah. so yeah so, so yeah there, there is light at the end of the tunnel from what I I can see. <laughs> Let's hope it's not just a fleeting glimpse of light before another <laughs> before door total shut. annihilation. That's it. Uh, but yeah, so so that was that was a thing, and I am I am happy. Um, I've obviously done some videos this week. The um, the one coming out on the No Talk All Tone, which will have come out the Friday before this releases, uh, is the. That Joyo, I think it's called the Joyo Deluxe Crunch, which is essentially an MI crunch box. Yeah. Uh, I've I've not had the good fortune of trying the original because they are not they're not really all that um, popular. They're they're not no. around uh, in many shops. Um, but I, I've tried a few clones. I think the the Moor Cruncher is one. Um, and I owned that, and it was quite 
like it was really really gainy and really like it had loads of sustain with it but it it never quite got enough bite to it it was always just a little bit too dark um but the uh, the the joyo version <laughs> looked like it was going to um going to alter that because it's got two tone controls essentially it's got a tone and a presence control um <laughs> so at, at the time that this is released the video will be released and i'd like if you haven't watched the video just just go go and watch and listen to that presence control and you tell me if it does anything <laughs> because <laughs> there's a part of the video where i just sweep between like the the like full on and full off with that presence control and I'm like the the look on my you, you obviously can't see my face because it's all all based on the pedal yeah but you can you can you can infer the look on my face <laughs> from that it's just like nope not hearing it it's nope. it, it's almost like the um, the switch in the middle of the mojo mojo yeah the can, the fabled switch yeah you can you can try and convince yourself that it does something yeah, it doesn't <laughs> pretty sure it's not connected um, so there is that. So essentially, it has only got three controls. Um, this one does get enough treble to it to be able to um, to be useful. Essentially, um, it's it's not going to be your everyday drive pedal because I don't think it's quite versatile enough. But it's fun, and for the Joyo stuff. But like, I think you're talking like 25, 30 quid per pedal, like new. It's well worth a punt. It's it's great, great fun. Um, and the, that one was actually sent in from one of my one of my lovely budget pedal chap um, people. I think it was uh, Ross. He actually, like, I posted up about it on Instagram uh, probably about a month or two ago, and said. Oh, yeah, what's what's this? I've not seen this one before. And he messaged me and just said, "Like, I've got one. I'm not needing it. Do you want me to send it through for demo?" Like, yes, absolutely, yes. So, just a big shout out to all of my uh, budget pedal chat peeps as well. Like, you're all awesome. You're all just really nice people. Legends. Yeah, absolutely. Um, once again, this week I have been roped into <laughs> roped into um, doing pedal boards of news once again, um, and I would like to end my um, I'd like to end my what we've been up to is kind of segueing into a little bit of news that I covered on the on the pedal boards of news, which was the boss Eurus. Um, so last last podcast, both me and Lee, uh, we kind of broke this news. We we talked about it. We we were quite amicable am, amicable um, about um, about the the features and and whatnot. But I I got a sense within me that, that we should probably open this up to Matt <laughs> um, about what he thinks about the boss Eurus. <laughs> well, like so, obviously you, um, w sorry, not not particularly you, but Will and Lee, the last podcast I won hijacked it a little bit and talked about plinky plonky synths that you played with the plinky plonky keys. Um, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Um, and 
I am fine with those type of synths because anybody can go in and play sort of a melody on them because once you know which of the the keys are in what key, like the think but i'm gonna call them buttons because it's easier because i'm going to talk about a key in terms of music so if you, you, you know which of the buttons are in what key and then you can play any kind of riff within that key yeah and it, it's all kind of simple i mean if you add chords and stuff in it becomes a bit more difficult but if you could come up with a basic kind of synth riff i mean everybody could play walk of life by dire straits if they talk about it for three seconds there's four things mm-hmm. you go up and down it mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 really it's all dead simple. I I cannot play the piano. I cannot play the keyboard. But I could play Walk of Life, the entire thing on the keyboards. If somebody else did the chord bit with the left hand. <laughs> yeah, doing the, the little walkie bass. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. But yeah, like so that kind of synth I get. What I don't get is guitar synth i've never got it when we talked about the boss does it sy 200 100 700 <laughs> one that shows how much fucking attention i pay because nobody really gives a shit but <laughs> it's it's like what is it there for what who is who is using this who wants to be a synth player but hasn't tried to teach himself how to use a synth yeah, I think that that's that is the crux of the problem that I have with synth pedals is that it's much easier just to learn a bit of piano yes. than it is I, to try and coax synthy because, and and that's the thing like because of the way a synth is normally played, you have to change your playing style if you want to play a synth guitar because if you just play it like a normal guitar it'll just sound weird because it'll sound like a hybrid yeah. guitar-y, synth just weird thing. So you have to play a bit more staccato and you have to kind of pick yep. out notes or if you're going to play chords, you've got to kind of pluck the whole chord or at least understand that if you strum it, it's going to sound a bit weird. Yeah, yeah, because they often crap out when you try and strum them, don't they? they... Yeah. And like, the tracking yeah. goes to shit. Yeah, so like... and and. The other thing, like it's what's it, two and a half thousand pounds? Uh, I think it's just under two grand in UK uh, money. I think if you get the bit that goes with it, that you could turn up, turn bits on and off with, I think it's about two and a half grand from what I was reading. But yeah, yeah, fair play. Fair play. Um, and there's no point in buying it if you can't fucking change it on the fly because you can't. Your your hand. If you're playing the guitar, you have to stop playing it if you're going to have to mess around with settings wherever they are on the guitar. If there are even, or is it on an app? I think it might even be on an app. So yeah, if the, you don't have the foot pedal. Yeah, the 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 switching is on the on the app. The foot pedal you can assign to parameters within the synth to allow yeah. you to do the kind of stuff that the like the thumb wheels would do on a, yeah. on a synth. Yeah, so, yeah, it's just, it's, I do, I personally don't see the point. Like, if you want one, great, crack on. But if you want to make synth sounds, for £2,000, you can buy a synth and teach yourself. In fact, for £2,000, you can buy a MIDI controller keyboard, and you've already got a computer because 80% of people already have a computer. Buy a couple of plugins, buy a MIDI controller, and buy a £1,000 worth of piano lessons. <laughs> And all of a sudden, you can make far better sounds than you can with the boss guitar thing. And no, no legit. Um, 
I, I uh, a couple of weeks ago, I bought a MIDI um, MIDI controller. I bought a very very cheap one. Um, it was I think it was about thirty quid, which for like MIDI controllers is very very cheap. Yeah. Um, it also has got like little drum pad things on it. Um, it's a pile of wank. <laughs> like yes, but if you spent three hundred quid on a MIDI controller, oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like seven seven hundred quid on a load of DSPs and all the all the plugins and shit, you've still got a thousand pounds left to teach yourself to play the piano, so that you can play or even specific synth lessons, and you're gonna make better sounds than you would with the Boss guitar. Um yeah, like guaranteed, guaranteed. I think the the like selling point almost kind of usp for it is that that blend between the synth and the guitar tones because you can um process both of the tones individually so you almost do get like a guitar synth hybrid there and i think that that specific sound has been utilized in the past by uh by people like alan holdsworth so if you are after that kind of like jazz fusion um specific tone then yeah um yeah so the one person in the uk who's after that specific jazz fusion tone (laughs) (laughs) if you if you are that one person please say hello in the facebook group (laughs) yeah um but it's yeah it's a very very niche product and the fact that you can get a guitar modeling guitar from for, line six for a quarter of the price well yeah like 400 quid i think is your your base price for a, a new very standard um like if you even if you wanted to go like up market and wanted to get one of the james tyler ones there probably about seven eight hundred quid yeah i think there's seven seven nine nine i think so there you go uh, uh it, like even the um the american made james tyler's were less than the the boss one is yeah the boss synth and the other thing is boss is written in comic sans on the head headstock <laughs> yeah it's it's like an italicized comic sans isn't it it's it's really really not good um actually phil uh phil from um pedal patch um on my um on my facebook today he photoshopped the the actual boss logo on the headstock and it looked like 10 times better <laughs> um, because I, yeah. I posted about this today like the, literally the headstock saying like what, what the fuck's with the comic sans um and quite a lot of people were just saying yeah yeah this is it looks stupid the thing that got me as well is the headstock looks like a soft version of the the very standard headstock yeah. Whether or not that is intentional or whether it's just a, oh, well, this thing looks nice um, kind of coincidence. But. Yeah. I mean, I don't know for sure, but yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't think Boss would be that that brazen to try and rip off um, the, the standard, but who knows? So there you go. I think that that's probably enough talking about the news that we did last week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have got some more news um, 
uh, but before we do that, I think we're gonna we're gonna go straight on to a little discussion topic, um, which one of our our Patreon backers happened to throw into the the wild world of guitar today. Um, Mr. Andrew Bimson. I've, I've titled this section, Mr. Andrew Bimson drops the truth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this was this was a little bit of like bear baiting. Uh, comment commenting going on um, within the guitar nerds forum I think it was uh, Andrew Bimson who listens to us but also listens to other podcasts for shame for shame <laughs> uh, he, he basically posted up saying that he saw a YouTuber saying podcasters and YouTubers have lost touch and essentially what the comment winds, winds down to is two and a half K is a lot of money for a guitar yeah, yeah, and I think his point was that a lot of podcasters and YouTubers and just a lot of people who are a little bit more nichely focused on the area than, say, your average Joe, yeah. suggest that two grand is not a expensive guitar. When for most people, we're never going to spend two grand on a guitar. Yeah, I mean, if you go back to the the previous comment about a, an Epiphone dot. But being four hundred pounds and none of us left with it, you would have yeah. thought that if two and a half grand was was affordable, then a four hundred guitar, a like four hundred quid guitar that played nicely and sounded good, would have been snapped up there and then. Yeah. Um. So, I'd I'd like to think that we we come from the kind of the realism side of the the spectrum with, where it comes to this. Yeah, I think like so. When you first mentioned this before the podcast, my first thought was when we talk about them, the those Mexican guitars. Once they start pushing eight, nine hundred, a thousand pounds, and I know they've announced the next ones are going to be twelve hundred quid, and they won't hit the shelves at that, but they'll still be up that kind of way. Yeah. And they they just a like the, Mexico was supposed to be the budget line that had Fender on it, and it was kind of like the step up from Squire and the step out of the budget into affordable gigging guitars yeah. and. For me, there are a plethora of guitars that are affordable gigging guitars that are a lot cheaper than a thousand pound Mexican signature model. Yeah, yeah. For me, um, the kind of the thousand pound mark is where you should be talking like professional touring instrument. Yeah, I think by by today's standards, if you push that limit to like one and a half grand. I'd be okay to concede that. Um, but for me personally, if it goes over that grand mark, I need to be seeing that it's it's not something that I need to upgrade. It's not something that I need to do this or that to. It will be a guitar that I could take from that shop and then go on a tour with. Yeah, and play it solidly for three months. Yeah. And other, other than a setup, it'd be perfect for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think I think I'm in a, a complete agreement. In fact, I my most expensive guitar. I don't know whether it, obviously the Les Paul that I bought off Andy that he put a lot of work into was secondhand, but and it, probably brand new. It's a '90s Gibson, so but it's a studio. So what's a studio these days? Thirteen hundred, fifteen hundred quid, I think. Yeah, back in the '90s, that would have cost probably about six and a half seven hundred quid new yeah but obviously it's had a lot of work done it's like completely customized i think i 
I don't. I can't tell you exactly how much I paid, but it was probably over a thousand. In fact, I'm sure it was over a thousand pounds. Which, bearing in mind the amount of work Andy put in yeah. to that guitar, absolutely well worth it. It's it's not a stock studio in any shape of the the word at all. But like the off the shelf, uh, the Cabernet and the James Tyler were about the same. They were between six and six hundred and eight hundred quid. Um, I think they were both actually between six and seven hundred quid. And for me. Okay, I've upgraded the bridge on the Cabernet, and I finally, after 10 years of use, um, won through the Mexican electronics to the point where uh, I've, I've had to put new electronics in it. But like, it had 10 years use before that, and I, I worked out at over 2,500 gigging and practice in band situation hours, not including any practice time I did, did have done at home. Like, that's... Yeah. So it's, it's, it was, what, fucking four, like 40p an hour? and like to be fair the like the mexican series is stuff that we're saying is not something you can go out there and gig we're saying it's underneath that threshold whereas actually 10 years worth of gigging without really any work done to it yeah to me that seems like that's profit there (laughs) right yeah yeah, and same with the, the the Variax has had absolutely no work apart from a setup done to it, and it yeah, it's, it's nowhere near being played as much. But again, I w- I would happily take that on tour. In fact, if I was going on tour now, I'd take the Les Paul, I'd take the Cabernet, and I'd take the Variax, and no. those would be the three gig. And if you like, if one of them needs a restring overnight, you still got a, a, a guitar and a backup, yeah. and I'd go and do. You know, I, there's no chance I ever will, but I'd go do a three-month tour where I don't come home and, you know, you're gigging every other night or you gig four nights in a row and then have a couple of nights off and whatever and tour around Europe. And I'd, I'd happily do that. And I wouldn't be concerned about running out of guitars if any yeah, any issues came up because I don't think I'd get issues with all three. You might get issues with one, but yeah. you might get issues with anything. Like, I'd, I'd, I think I'd be comfortable going with that as, as a mainstay for a, a long tour. Absolutely. To be fair, I, I could see myself doing that with the the Fairy Act standard because it's 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 been nothing but solid the entire time I've played it, and uh, I haven't gigged with it, but I, I've used that almost exclusively for demos for for about two years. Yeah, because I'm putting out at least at least one uh, one video a week. You can you can get an idea of how much play it gets just on those videos alone um so i'd i'd pretty sure i'd be i'd be happy to take that over the the uh, like the thin line fender that i've got sitting there so yeah um <laughs> uh, yeah like if if i had to take a few guitars on on tour i don't think it'd be the expensive ones i would yeah uh, like I, I do think like when we like step back and look at it actually you can like a, my classic vibe tally goes with me because it's in a, an alternate tuning mm-hmm. but so it gets a bit less playtime than the others but i'd happily gig with that um yes i'm doing pub gigs but and you know function gigs but i'm happily gigging with a guitar that's 350 quid off the shelf that all i've done is have somebody set it up in a different tuning yeah i mean in the I think the thing that you'd probably find with uh, with the classic vibe is like stuff like the bridge would wear out before before you get to that maybe like five year mark of of heavy gigging with it because I think they 
they use slightly cheaper materials for the, like the bridge and like the tuners oh, and stuff. Uh, yeah, I've put um, commentator saddles on it though. Oh, well, yeah, there you go. But if they are brass, they will definitely wear. Yeah, yeah, they will. But uh, th they would wear on a two grand custom shop if you had brass commentator saddles. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so horses for courses. Um, yeah, I, I think if you if you're going to talk about budget instruments or affordable instruments, I think affordable to me you can push to a grand because yeah. people can like if, if it's your hobby you can justify like if you were going to go and play golf you'd spend a thousand pound a year on green fees so you could justify spending a thousand pound a year on your on, on a guitar yeah yeah totally. absolutely you wouldn't consider it whereas if you you're going to go and spend two and a half thousand pounds that's a conversation that you need to have with your partner and that's something that you nearly really need to consider before you go out and buy you can't just go out and throw you know two and a half grand willy-nilly at anything like that's not affordable anymore that is a sit down and think about it got to make a decision you can't just off the cuff go and spend two and a half thousand pounds unless you're jeff bezos <laughs> oh mate like flying into the <laughs> flying into space <laughs> on the giant giant dick Penis. yeah oh like i i imagined that the man like as he's flying up on this giant dick balloon essentially <laughs> he's just he's just shouting the phrase i'm gonna fuck space's pussy because <laughs> um, i imagine that's that's the kind yeah. of guy he is yeah um, yeah <laughs> i mean it's just a, a beautiful mental mental image isn't it uh, yeah and i think it's it's a really um like not meaning to go off topic but the um, the the juxtaposition between like the the spacecraft that richard branson had which was like this um elaborate almost like it was almost like a catamaran version of a of a airplane yeah and then jeff bezos going on a giant dick <laughs> <laughs> it just it it beautifully highlights the difference in culture between like britain and the u.s um, and I love it. I love the fact that we are such different people. Uh, uh, but yes, yeah, sw swinging it back onto kind of um, the 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 topic of conversation, um, the two two guitars that I have got that are like the most expensive guitars that I bought are, are both sub a grand. The one is just just sub a grand because i think i bought it for 999 uh and it was on sale uh it was like end of the line and that was the uh the midtown and I, I had to buy that on finance because i didn't have a, a grand just to chuck at it and this was back when i was about 25 where i had like a, a steady job um like not a particularly well-paid one but uh, like paid enough that i had disposable income um i had no no real outlays because i was still living at home at the time so like my outlays were minimal uh, i didn't have like any children to look after Th that was the the peak point of my life where i could buy elaborate expensive shit um and even at that point, I weren't looking at the, the PRSs, which were two and a half grand at the time. Um, yeah. The other one uh, is my, my Les Paul Standard, which 
I happened to get a really fucking good deal on. Um, I I was picking up off a guy, um, like one of my one of my mates, uh, who would who was moving away from that kind of guitar, and he he just said, "I need, I need like roughly this amount because I'm looking to buy this this amp that's going to take my uh, like." gigging rig to the next level and he says i'm willing to let it go for a lot less than market value um and I, again i had to shift some funds about and like ooh, ooh, ooh. but i managed to pick up the the les paul standard for for a pretty pretty good deal um yeah and again like if i if i had to go and do it again and buy a les paul standard at the time they were going for about Sixteen, seventeen hundred new, and yeah. I think at like end of the line deals, you could pick them up for just sub a grand. I probably wouldn't have a Les Paul standard now. Yeah, it is that simple. And the reason I haven't got rid of either of these guitars is because I know that if I do, you'll never get another. Yeah, I, n- never, never again am I going to do it. Uh, I could like there's potential that I probably could. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I would prefer to buy that kind of four, five, six hundred quid, like the um, the Schecter, the Nick Johnston Schecter. I would buy that all day, every day, over those over a grand um, guitars. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think for for us, like two thousand five hundred is just. It's it's a no. It's an absolute no. Yeah. yeah, it's a pipe dream. And I win the lottery, and I've already paid the mortgage off, and I've got a couple of mil to spare. And you know, at, at that point, then maybe. But yeah, realistically, I don't think I'll ever look at. I, I think there's good enough guitars for half that price and lower. Yeah, yeah, and I'd like to think, and like you listeners, you can back us up on this. Um, if you think this is the kind of vibe that we give off as well, is that we we are by and large act as the voice for the people who think the same thing and think that 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 two thousand five hundred quid guitar is 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 too much. It's 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 a pipe dream. Um, yeah, I know I know for sure. If I had like if I was because I wouldn't be able to buy it outright, but if I had the the wherewithal to like finance a two thousand two thousand plus uh, purchase, it sure as shit wouldn't be a guitar. It'd have wheels and it'd be driving me to work. <laughs> yeah. So that that is that's uh, and I'm, I'm raising my hat to Bimson there for for saying it because I know we don't all think it, but there's a lot of us who think it. And he had the courage to go out there and say it. So hats off to the hats off to the chap. We should probably do a bit of news because I've I've got some written down. I mean, we can save it for the next cast because that'll save me a job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, let's use one of them then. Um, yeah, go on, go on, go on. We'll go for the Gordon Smith because I I actually like this one. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, so Gordon Smith. Um, are a British company. They've, uh, I think, they've been taken over by Blackstar or the people who own Blackstar. So they've they've got kind of tie-ins with those guys. Um, but they've they've been brought to the forefront of the last kind of five years. 
um, and that you hear more and more of them. About a year ago, they were teasing the fact that they were looking into doing a offset guitar, and now, now it's got a name and a price. Uh, so it's called the Gatsby. Is this uh, this offset? Uh, you get the choice of a poplar or a swamp ash body, and the swamp ash comes in at an additional cost. You, it's an extra hundred pounds for the swamp ash, and you get the uh, the grain finishes, like the transparent grain finishes, uh, whereas the poplar are um, flat colours. Um, so you get maple, twenty-two medium jumbo frets, gloss uh, gloss finish on the body, but a satin neck, um, and they come in a a range of a range of colours. I don't think there's necessarily any, anything particularly that exciting, but they're not like the what what you'd expect for kind of an offset guitar. So we've got uh, we've got white, we've got chroma, which is light blue. We've got Rockingham, which is a metallic blue. Merlot, red. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then the ash uh, ash body ones get. Real ale, which is a transparent red, and then the tobacco, which is obviously your sunburst. Yeah, um, th- it has got a Jazzmaster style tremolo on it, <laughs> but it does to compensate for that, it's got a low profile brass roller bridge on it. Okay, so I mean, they've, they've noticed that <laughs> Jazzmaster trem systems are shit, um, and have, have at least tried to kind of. Swerve that level, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, they use the GS90 pickup, which is uh, like Gordon Smith wound P90 uh, with chrome covers. Um, and so, all of that, I think, I believe that they're all UK made. I believe that they are um, handmade for the most part. Um, and we're talking twelve nine nine for the poplar and thirteen nine nine for the swamp ash. Okay. So for for me, actually, that price makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I like. I think that's in the kind of the the upper range that we were talking about there. That they're going to be good, solid gigging guitars straight out of the box. Need a setup and nothing more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of the Gordon Smith stuff, pretty much great and solid they do uh they do a few kind of no frills um approach guitars yeah which uh i think the gs1 is like a like a single p90 um les paul ish uh body but like the the finishes are really really bare and there's no binding or anything on them and they come in at about five six hundred quid um and then they obviously do more and more. This one seems like it's a little bit more extravagant with the, like the gloss finish and the, the transparent finishes and whatnot. But like twelve, well thirteen hundred to fourteen hundred ish, sounds about fair. Um, yeah. And I, I think I'm down with it. I think Gordon Smith. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Yeah, sounds sounds like the kind of guitar I'd like to give it a go because the only things with Jazzmaster trem arms I've tried um, have been the proper, or sorry, the normal Jazzmaster cell yeah. bridges, and they just they, they don't function properly. 
and I think the uh, the Jazzmaster pickup as well largely is not for me because they're really squat but really yeah. wide as well so you get like a weird yeah uh, like really chimey uh almost kind of nasally pickup um without much much else going on so it, it really does that kind of indie jangle nice yeah um but but not much more yeah it's it's it does the one trick doesn't it um p90s on the other hand are a lot more versatile um they tend to lean more towards the other side where <laughs> where you get like like big rock tones but you you can also get kind of mellow jazzier tones um and some cleans from um p90s are some of the best cleans that I I've heard on record yeah so i think what they've done there is they've they've taken the the offset uh, aesthetic and and made it a lot more functional um but i think have we got time for another another news we're we're about 57 yeah go on go on go on go on uh we'll talk about <laughs> on the other end of the spectrum the abassi concept space t uh which one of those is <laughs> is the guitar which one is the, <laughs> is it a guitar it sounds like the kind of thing that fucking Mercedes unveil every year when people come and look at their concept cars. You, uh, to me, it's, it sounded almost like another rich person's space program, the Abassi Concepts <laughs> Space T. Uh, but yes, like Abassi Concepts are obviously Tosin Abassi of animals for is leaders. leaders. Animals yeah. is, is leaders, isn't it? Animals is for leaders. Four. Yeah. I think the four is a number. Four, four animals leaders is. Yeah, we're getting into a, a Fast and the Furious movie now, aren't we? Pretty much. Four animals, three leaders. They need to call the next Fast and Furious movie Fast 10, your seatbelt. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I think we could end the podcast right there and like we've reached the peak. Uh, so Abassi Concepts is the is the name of the company, which is it's so kind of coffee shop trilby, um, like very very well manicured beard, isn't it? It's yeah, it's it's yes. that it's, it's talking to talking to someone for ten minutes about the artisanal brewery. Uh, it's it just it it stinks a little bit of that um but we'll we'll let it slide because at least it's a new naming convention uh, and the space t so um if you m- mix like the ergonomics of like a strandberg with a telecaster uh <laughs> why you'd want to uh, no, let's, let's stay focused. Uh, so the Space T, it's it's a model that has already been out, but the in 2021 they've done some revisions. Uh, so roasted maple neck with uh, either a rich light board or a bird's eye maple. Um, the fact that they're offering rich light at this price point is a... Is rich like that one that people kicked off that Gibson started using where they've just compressed a load of different wood together to make a rosewood-ish looking but not actual wood board? Yeah, it's, it's essentially like a wood composite resin. 
um, it's compressed bits of I, I believe it's Darkwoods because it's supposed to send a bit like Ebony um, funnily enough on the most expensive guitar that I own that's a rich light board um, again like it's it's not something that I, I necessarily knew too much about when I bought it and finding out about it afterwards I was a little bit disappointed but actually it doesn't really matter um, however like I say paid a grand for that these very much north of a grand so let's let's hold judgment for now but like you'd definitely be going for the bird's eye maple just to get your money's worth um stainless frets which are are, are read as strawberry frets that with the way i've written that down um strawberry frets sounds interesting indeed Sta so stainless frets are are very functional and very much what you'd expect from a modern guitar whether or not they are strawberry flavored i could not guarantee um so this is where we come into a little bit of a game here so there are some naming uh conventions that are going on with this uh i'm going to give you um some of the colors from the range um i think like part of the um part of the big sell for this is that there's some new colors coming out part of it is that then they've now transferred to using stylus frets um the final part was the fact that you can upgrade to um greg cox uh pickups the gristle master pickups um but what's much more interesting is the <laughs> is the naming convention so let's let's see um i'm, go I'm just going to read out some names and whenever there's one that you think i've made up just call bullshit <laughs> okay <laughs> okay so this is not gonna go well so we start off with pink sparkle that's normal okay we've got champagne normal uh we've got violin burst i'm gonna call bullshit on violin burst no that is an actual that's an actual color okay we've got uh toxic purple we've got I, I... I can, I can I can see Proxic Purple being a thing. Okay, uh, we've got Miami Blue. I'm not writing so fucking terrible on this one. <laughs> Sorry, um, I'm just. Yeah, to... I'm going to say Miami Blue is is a colour as well. Okay, uh, we have got Black Raven. Bullshit. Uh, no, that is that is definitely one. There has been one bullshit so far. Oh, You've not God. caught it. Uh, we've got Sapphire Red. That sounds like a Pokemon game. So I'm going to say that that's right. <laughs> that, that, you're correct, yes, yeah, Sapphire. I mean, you, there was po uh, Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire. There was also Pokemon Red. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that is just an amalgamation. Sapphires are blue. So <laughs> what, what's going on, Tosin? Well, no, can you, Sapphires can be multiple colours because you can buy pink Sapphire, definitely. So I imagine there's a red Sapphire as well. Okay, okay. Um I'll, I'll I'll allow that then. Uh, Arctic white, uh, solar beam yellow. <laughs> solar beam yellow has to be a bullshit. <laughs> no, it's it's fully true. No, no, it's fully true. I no, no, I'm not having it. No. I reckon Atosin likes Pokemon. <laughs> I reckon that's that's what's going on. Uh, yeah. And then we're gonna go with hyper beam grey. <laughs> That's got to be bullshit as well. That, that one is that one is bullshit. <laughs> um, oh, what was the one I missed? Uh, toxic purple. 
Toxic Purple. Toxic Purple is not one of the colours, but yeah, so we've got... Yeah, Toxic Purple in my head was that... You remember the... um, What's the guy from Kiss who's got that purple smashed from... Oh, yeah, Paul Stanley, yeah, the the Iceman. Yeah, that that could... That could be Toxic Purple. Yeah, I reckon Toxic Purple's a decent, uh, a decent name for a, uh, a guitar color. color. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean Toxic is also like a pretty fucking badass uh, Pokemon move. So, so there you go. <laughs> Hyper Beam's also great, but it's it's definitely not a color. <laughs> um, so there you go. Uh, yeah, I think we've um, we've unearthed the fact that Tosinabasi is a massive Pokemon nerd. Yeah, maybe this is something that's really well known, and we are just ignorant. <laughs> Looking like a pair of idiots right there. Yeah, yeah, he's like, yeah, I love Pokemon. <laughs> um, you're not the only well, one, Tosi. It's, is is he Japanese or does he just? Because obviously his first signature model was um, with Ibanez, and I believe these guitars, at least the first, I vaguely remember now thinking about it, them being Japanese guitars as well. Or am I completely making that up? Uh, I mean, you you very well could be. I I can't can't confirm nor did I. I I don't know a vast vast amount about. Um, sorry, I was going to call it Tosin concepts, but it's uh, a Bassy concept. No, um, I couldn't I couldn't tell you unfortunately. Uh, I don't. I think he's American. Um, but yeah, maybe he's got links with uh, with the Far East with uh, like through Ibanez. Who knows. I mean, uh, sorry, I just looked on his um, his own or the Abati Concepts website, and every guitar they have is currently sold out. <laughs> well, there you go. So he's doing something right. Um, do you want to hazard a guess how much they're going to ask for one of these? Well, uh, luckily enough, all of them, because they're sold out, don't have a price on on the website, so I still haven't got a clue. I like bearing in mind that the the Abassi eight and nine strings from Ibanez, I feel were like three and a half grand. I'm going to say three and a half grand. You you crack on there, Matt. You are absolutely crack on three four nine nine for this. Yeah, yeah, ridiculous. Oh, I forgot to mention what the bodies are made out of. So. This this is quite interesting. So Akumi is uh, a body wood that I've heard of before, that but not so common. Sugar pine. What's the other one? Sugar okay. pine. Like, I, I don't know if that would taste good with the strawberry frets or. I don't know. Like yeah. strawberries and sugar. Yeah. That. Yeah, it definitely works. Defi. And I think that is a place where we uh, where we end it this week. We we sound like old man shouts at Cloud, don't we? Like talking, <laughs> reporting on a bassy, um, but you know what? We do this. We do this for you guys. Um, we we report on things which we may not necessarily be all that interested in because you might, um, and you you too could get a Pokemon slash color n- named uh, a bassy concepts. Yeah, they're an American company, so I was wrong. Oh, I don't know go. why I think it's Japanese, but maybe it was just Ibanez. Yeah, I mean, they are definitely Japanese, so don't beat yourself up there, Matt. Uh, <laughs> so that that is us for this week. I, uh, we've already given a shout-out to Mr. Bimson, but we're going to we're gonna do it again because he's one of our Patreon backers. He's one of the cool kids. And for as little as $2 a month, you, yes, you out there, I'm pointing, Matt can verify this that i am pointing 
Uh, at, at the listener, specifically, the listener. specifically you. Yeah. Yes, you. Yeah. Yes. Don't don't shake your head. It's you. Yeah, you could be one of these cool kids too. For as little as two dollars a month, you can join part of the cool kids club. And those cool kids are as follows: Mr. Andrew Bimson, Mr. Adam Yeomans, Mr. Doug Christ of Thirty Seven Effects, of the Jism Cast, <laughs> and of. I was going to say the almost famous cast then, but it's not. It's uh, Masters of the Cinematic Universe, who they made me watch almost famous, and it was it was decent. It was good. Um, yeah, L- listen to that podcast, uh, Mister Huge Erection. It's the pleat, the pleat in the pants. Uh, Mister Ben Fletcher of Fletcher Pickups, and Mister Brian Goer of the Tone Jerks podcast. He's also been on the Just Surprise Me podcast as well, quite a few times. And that was, uh, I enjoyed that. So definitely, definitely go check those podcasts out. Um, if you want to catch me online, I am Budget Pedal Chap. I can be found at Facebook, Instagram, and or YouTube. And YouTube is the home to the No Talk All Tone series. Uh, and Matt, you are online. Yeah, I am back on Twitter now that um, now that um, it didn't come home. So yeah, heel underscore Matt Q. Um, yeah, PS, don't break into football stadiums or smash anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the thing that we have learnt from that is that if you ain't got a ticket, you ain't coming in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I, for all the shit that we gave football in general over that period of time I'd like to congratulate the England team for getting so far like yeah they they have repaired some of the damage that the 1996 England football team did to me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah I think they have for a lot of people and like the other thing I'd like to say is that for the majority I know there was a bit of problem on the streets a bit of problems around the ground and stuff but the vast majority of people I saw were actually calling them out whereas in previous years I think when you've seen the Barmy Army on tour and people smashing up and people have gone oh they're just having a good time and I didn't see much of that I saw a lot of criticism for it which is what I was looking for like some people just being realistic about if somebody's a knob call them a knob and yeah. Yeah, I was worried about Twitter, like people being idiots, and actually, for the most part, the people that I interact with on Twitter that were talking about it coming home were as pissed off with me about people being dicks, which is nice. Solidarity, and I think that's that's um, repairing some of the damage that has has largely been around the sport of football. The reason why I, I was not interested in it at all is because of the kind of the the people who followed it and just the the attitude of oh well we're meant to do this because that's what football is well if that's what it is i don't want to be part of it because it's 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 you being an absolute knobhead yeah um so um it's it's beautiful that our country is is kind of putting the hands up and going actually no that's not right um but i don't want to dwell on that too much what i do want to do is say from myself Mr. Budget Pedal Chap from Mr. Matt Quine. Say bye, Matt. Bye, Matt. Yes. It will be a tatty bye and good night for this week. Turn out of here. Bye. Goodbye. Bye, everybody.
into a bar with a cheese sandwich under his arm a pint of guinness for me and the cheese sandwich the barman says i'm sorry sir we don't serve food in here Wait. <laughs> oh dear perfect